we're nearing the end of our series, Hope in the Morning, that we've been looking at the little book of First Peter and his uh, letter to Christians who were suffering. So let's just jump in and read the first few verses of chapter 5. Got your Bibles? Here's what Peter said. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Our South Shores Church annual meeting is today, and it will be our first ever annual meeting on Zoom. At our annual meeting, we do two things. We approve the budget for the next fiscal year, which begins July 1, and we select our new deacons, our new leaders, and then we let them work. We let them lead. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. When life gets tough, and we're in tough times right now, we need leaders, good leaders, to see us through. When everything around us is contagious or going up in flames, we need someone whom we can trust and depend on. We need someone to give us help and hope, to give us focused leadership and to lead us forward. There are lots of average or lousy leaders, and that can bring stagnation or catastrophe to a church, to a state, to a nation. If your leader is incompetent in problem-solving or immoral in their dealings, the consequences can be far-reaching and disastrous. But if your leaders are strong and wise, intelligent and mature, studying the situation and listening to God's voice, they are a gift from God. And even in the toughest situations, they will flourish, and their churches or organizations will be blessed. Strong leaders are a gift from God. Let me give you some examples from our own church. 1991. South George Church of Monarch Beach had come through some very difficult times. Confidence and leadership was at an all-time low. People were leaving. Money was tight. Debt load was crushing. The church turned to Dr. Ted Cole. Dr. Ted gave them a vision to reach the world around them, to build our beautiful worship center, to set aside the past and to focus on the future. The debt was paid. Staff were hired in youth and in children. And the church grew and was blessed. Thank you, Dr. Ted. 1998. We knew that our campus needed an upgrade to get us ready to do the maximum ministry we possibly can for Jesus Christ and to leave a strong church presence in our community for the generations of our children, grandchildren, and those yet unborn until the Lord returns. Well, he didn't do it by himself, but Gigi Colhagen has been the stable, steadying, guiding hand on our building project over 20 years. I know that people like Stan Scholl, Vern Johnson, Tandy Sullivan were there alongside Gigi at the beginning. And we made it over the finish line with huge amounts of help from people like Mike Brooks and Hal Orr, Keith Anderson, Jordan Sukut. And yet, all the way through, Gigi was that strong and patient, humble and persistent leader we needed to see us through. Thank you, Gigi. Let's go to 2020. We have the strongest team of leaders at South Shores right now than we've ever had before. Pastor Bob Perry in traditional worship and Pastor Chris DeLeo in support ministries 
have been at South Shores Church longer than my 22 years here, and yet continue to excel and innovate. Rob Mayer has been leading our contemporary worship for over 20 years, along with bringing us into the 21st century with sound, lighting, electronics, and half his work has happened in the night while you were sleeping. Pastor Derek Zellner started with us as a single college intern 17 years ago. Now he and Rebecca have four children. They're four of the smartest, kindest kids you'll ever find. And Derek has been helping us push forward our efforts to fulfill the Great Commission, make disciples. He puts all our communications and graphics together, keeps us informed. He's been doing a lot of heavy lifting since everything went online in March. Pastor Mike Agari started with us as a single 10-year-old intern living in the house of the pastor, so he got to see everything up close and personal. Micah helped us give six years of VIP care to our congregation in San Juan, and then he has kept us on track with our operations and logistics. Did you know on a regular Sunday morning at South Shores, there are more than 100 volunteers helping out in parking, greeting, ushering, coffee and donut ministry, food ministry, and shuttling vans. Mike has referred to his job as the kitchen junk drawer of our ministries. You know, when you have something important but you don't know where to put it, it goes in the junk drawer. None of it's flashy, but we'd fall apart without it. Pastor Katie Poole started with us as a single three-year-old intern. She's learned ministry around here from the ground up, working alongside of her mom, Pastor Chris DeLeo. Katie Poole and Brian Golson are the solid team leading our children and their families. The two new guys are Blue Chip Ministry veterans. Pastor Eric Williams has been our youth pastor for three years, and you've seen some of the fruit of his labors in all the focused and intentional Christian youth who are graduating this year. His wisdom and his wit are a blessing to all of us. And then Pastor Ron Klein, who's returned from 30 years as a missionary to lead our senior adults. Second heifers have had the steepest learning curve to get online for church and to stay home. Even Ron and Barb, who live in a senior's community where nobody can enter or depart. It happens to be called Freedom Village. Kind of ironic, I think. Ron has been blessing us with his wisdom, his optimism, his sermons, his prayers, and his encouragements. You know, when we do our daily devotionals, each daily devotion is viewed by about 200 people. But on Ron's devotionals, that number soars to over 2,000 from people all over the world. Strong leaders are a gift from God, and we are so blessed. Well, back in the year 36 AD, God needed somebody to help the gospel break out of its Jewish confines and take it to the whole world. God chose two somebodies you and I would never have thought of. One was the scholar. The other was the blue-collar regular guy, one who had aspirations to become the leader of the Jewish nation. The other who had been, would have been glad just to be left alone to go fishing. God was calling and raising up leaders. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter gives us five qualities or values that God is looking to find and looking to grow in the leaders he selects. Let's look at verse 1 together. It says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. When Peter begins talking about the kind of leaders who help us through difficult days, he starts out with a surprising statement about humility and equality. 
The term elders refers to leaders. It was a common term in that day. It often meant older in years, but also meant maturity in wisdom and experience. Some people are young and wise. Some people are old and foolish. Elders were leaders who had a proven track record from the past, so they could be relied upon for good, solid leadership in the future. I had a pastor friend who told me a story of when he was called as a young pastor to a church of 150 people halfway across the country from where he lived. And he said, yes, he took the job. He told them, I can start in six weeks from now. Unfortunately, in that six weeks, the church embroiled itself in self-destructive conflict. And after the dust settled, all but 38 people had left. And so he still took the job, but wondered how he was going to be paid. Well, a wise retired pastor friend of his heard about this and moved himself all the way across the country into a hotel, and he showed up on the new pastor's first day to help the young pastor, working as a volunteer. When the young pastor asked why, the older pastor said, because I need your enthusiasm and you need my experience. Look at Peter's humility. Peter talks as if he were no better than any other church leader. He describes himself as a fellow elder. Seriously? Peter was the number one disciple of Jesus. He was the spokesman for the group. He was the guy who would get out of the boat. He became the number one leader of the Jerusalem church. He became a missionary with his wife and an author of portions of the New Testament. Yet that's not the way Peter saw himself. He thought that all Christians are equal before God. All leaders are to be honored and respected. He wasn't impressed with himself. He just did his job, the job Jesus gave him, the job of leading. Part of Peter's training had been to watch Jesus lead, to watch Jesus teach, and then to be ridiculed and rejected, and to watch Jesus suffer and finally be killed. Peter was there when Jesus suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Peter watched while Jesus was accused and mistreated during the trials on the eve of his crucifixion. He must have seen the pain in Jesus' eyes. Some of Jesus' pain, Peter himself had caused. Peter's connection to the suffering of Jesus qualified him to lead other Christians through their own pain and suffering and endure suffering joyfully himself. Dave Rook is one of our outstanding Sunday school teachers. And in his class, they've been doing an in-depth study of this little book of 1 Peter. And Dave has traced what he calls the scarlet thread of Christ's sufferings in 1 Peter throughout the fabric of the entire epistle. You can check it out. You could find references to Christ's suffering in every little chapter in this book, all five chapters. The sufferings of Christ were foretold before he was even born. Jesus suffered on our behalf, and we must exercise the mind of Christ ourselves. Our sufferings fill up the sufferings of Christ and will ultimately yield great joy in glory. We're equals in God's sight. Nobody needs to get overinflated with their own importance. Stay humble. Just do your job. Expect suffering for the sake of Christ. Do you know, just in case verse 1 is too subtle, Peter returns to it in verse 5 to talk about humility. Look what he says. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God honors humility. Humility is a choice. Here are three quick lessons just from verse 5. Number one, submit yourself to maturity. You can learn a lot from someone who's older and wiser than you about what to do or about what not to do. I saw a sign that said, 
People who think they know everything are very annoying to those of us who do. <laughs> you know, you might know more than someone else who is older. Show respect anyway. Number two, serve others. Clothe yourselves refers to a kind of apron that can be used, uh, tied on, and used for serving, for, for getting dirty serving. It's not fancy. It's for humble, working, serving people. So the next time you look in your closet and you think, I don't have anything to wear. Of course, all we need these days seems like is jammies. But the next time you want to get out and you have nothing to wear, get out an apron and come serve here at church. We've got some extra aprons here at church in your size. There's lots of cleaning to be done. Lesson number three is fear God. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Do you want God working for you or against you? You don't want God working against you. Pride is ugly and unattractive. God says, choose humility. Do you know an example of Peter learning humility is found in Acts chapter 10. Peter is a religious Jew, and he was proud of it. And he thinks of anyone who's not like him as unclean, second class, not on his level. God, on the other hand, created every human being in the image of God and loves everyone. And God wanted to use Peter to share his love with Gentile people. You know, the kind of people Peter quietly discounted or avoided or despised. So God sent Peter a vision that ended with God saying, What I've called clean, don't you call unclean. What I've called clean, don't you call unclean. God said it three times, and Peter got the lesson. And it changed his heart toward other people. And about that moment, the doorbell rang, and Peter was off on a God-directed adventure to share Jesus' with people not like himself. Somewhere God's perspective has been lost on us in our day and age, where people who claim to love God treat each other with disrespect, suspicion, even hatred and violence. That's not God's way. God loves those people you are discounting. Time to humble yourself and fear God. God wants to grow you in humility and in your care for others. 1 Peter 5, 2. We've got all the way to verse 2. It says leadership is more about caring for others. What we've learned in our lives is to be used in others' lives. Look at 1 Peter 5, 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. The word shepherd is the word pastor. Peter was a fisherman by training and occupation. And when Jesus first called Peter, he said to him, it's found in Mark 1, 17, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. But after Jesus' arrest, after Peter's denial, after Jesus' death and resurrection, after catching Peter back at his fishing boat with his fishing buddies, Jesus publicly forgave Peter and recommissioned Peter using a shepherd analogy, comparing shepherding to leading. It's found in John 21. And Jesus asks three times, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Then tend my sheep. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Now, we use the word pastor in a technical way that was unfamiliar to Peter. I'm called Pastor Ty, and I'm one of the pastors of South Shores Church. For the, me, that means I have a very serious responsibility for the lives and souls of other people. I pray for you every day. I think a lot about you, and I work hard to care for others directly and through delegation. Kind of a fun side note, but this helps my humility. Over the last 10 years or so, when I call someone on the phone and I say, hi, this is Pastor Di, I don't know, maybe I've developed a lisp, but more than ever before, the response I hear occasionally is, yes, Patrick, what may I do for you? 
As one of your pastors, at the end of each day, I know that it's a wonderful privilege and a daunting responsibility to be a shepherd of God's people. I probably don't tell you enough. I have a deep gratitude for you. What an honor to get to be your pastor. It's been the best 22 years of my life. And God is still preparing us for greater ministry together. But I'm not the only shepherd. I'm not the only one in our church that Peter is talking to here in this verse. Most Christians have shepherding responsibilities, even you. Some shepherd co-workers at their office. Some shepherd neighbors around the block. Some are shepherds of an extended family. Many are shepherds of children at home or all grown up. You may shepherd others here at church or someplace else. Wherever, whenever, think of yourself as the caregiver for the souls and lives of others whom God has placed in your care. God places people in your life for you to care for, and He wants to grow you in your caring. Do you care? Also, we see Peter talking about willingness to serve. In verse 2, when God calls you to lead others, respond with willingness. Understand that this is a call from God and an awesome responsibility and a privilege. Look what Peter says in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that's among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. It is possible to lead for the wrong reasons. Peter lists only two of the many possible wrong reasons to say yes to spiritual leadership. One, an obligation, or two, greed. Some people are going to lead out of a sense of duty. Well, if I have to, perhaps better, that's better than maybe saying no, but hardly the best reason. Some people say yes to a request out of greed. They want to know what they're going to get out of it. Greed may be for money or recognition or power. When I headed off to college, my dad said, listen, don't get disconnected. Find a home church. Well, how do you find a home church? You go visit. And there are different ways that people choose churches. Some ask, how can the church serve me? What does the church have to offer me? Others ask, how can I serve the church and God's people there? What do I have to give to others? So most people figure out in the first five minutes if a church is friendly, if it has a pulse, if there are people who look like the kind of people they want to be friends with. My dad encouraged me and my two sisters, determine if the church is committed to teaching the Bible as God's holy word. If it is, then stay there. If it's unfriendly, pester them with friendliness. If it's cold, Warm them up. Peter tells us to be eager to serve and eager to lead. So say yes when you're asked and volunteer when you're not asked. Say yes because God wants you to shepherd others. Say yes because you want to bless others. What is your ministry? Do you know instantly or do you have to scratch your head and think about it? Are you part of this church for what you can give or what you can get? Do you know at home when... There's a large family, and mom says, it's time to get ready for dinner. What does she want to hear? She wants to hear people come running saying, what may I do to help? Today, we're electing our new deacons, according to guidance from Scripture and our church constitution. First off, I want to say the team we've had leading us with our moderator and treasurer, you could not have been better served. They're tops. Mike Brooks and Hal Orr have been our moderator and treasurer for the past three years. They've guided us through some very tricky waters, moving to San Juan, approvals on the project, accountability for your church staff, 
voluntary annual audit. Our church is healthy, strong, and vibrant. Thank you, leaders. Our new deacons will be dedicated servants as well, and I commend them to you heartily. Keith Anderson has been nominated as our new moderator. Keith's been an active part of the process for several years now. Keith was our connection to the Newport Real Estate Services that helped to oversee uh, getting our project completed. Dr. Gordon Glasgow was one of the San Juan elders that pursued the marriage between the church in San Juan and the church here in Dana Point. He teaches a Sunday school class and is a constant encouragement. Kim Whitaker is nominated to become our new deacon of children. She has been part of the choir and has led children in Sunday school and into God's word here at South Shores for over two decades. These are people who've demonstrated a willingness to serve when they could have folded their hands and said, I've already done my time. Look what Peter says next. He says, lead by example. In uh, verse 2, he says, shepherd the flock of God. Verse 3, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Becoming a shepherd doesn't make someone a good shepherd. It looks easier than it really is. Last week, I was up in Oregon with uh, my, some of my grandkids pecking strawberries, another job that you'd think looks easy until you try it. I had my crew and we started in. One strawberry for the box, one for me. One for the box, one for me. Do you bend over? Do you squat down? Do you get on your knees? Do you sit on the ground and scooch along? It only took me picking about four strawberries to wonder, how could you do this hour after hour, day after day? My gratitude for the people who serve us in our country's farmlands increased. I had my little flock and we had our job to do. Peter said, don't be domineering, lead by example. Peter's saying, when leading others, don't be bossy. Don't assume you know everything, even if you do. There are a lot to this, more than meets the eye. Lead by example, show others how to live the Jesus way. You be the example. How does a Christian deal with a tough boss? How does he deal with a happy marriage? How does she deal with a difficult marriage? How do people deal with disappointment, with loss, with rejection, with pain, with wealth, or with economic setback? How do you deal with children or grandchildren? Be an example to your flock. Every one of us is surrounded by other sheep trying to figure out how to live and yearning for others to show them the way. You be an example for others to follow. God wants to grow you in your humility, in your caring for other people, in your willingness to serve, in your leading by example. And then Peter gives one more challenge, one more reminder, and that's this. Leaders are filled with hope and expectation. 1 Peter 5.4 says, When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Can't you just picture Peter writing this from some cell in a a dungy Roman prison shortly before he was crucified upside down. He was martyred for his faith. No matter how good or bad things were going for Peter, he knew that the chief shepherd is coming with a crown, an unfading crown. The chief shepherd is Jesus Christ. No matter what leadership role any of us may have, we are not the CEO. Jesus is the shepherd in chief. For me, that's a huge personal comfort. When I realized the responsibilities and implications of teaching the Bible, of praying for the South Shores family, of trying to lead the church, it could become a heavy burden. Then I remember 
I'm not the boss. I'm not in charge. I'm not ultimately responsible. Jesus is the chief shepherd. The same goes for Sunday school teachers, parents, Christians at work and school and online. And we say yes to God. And if we do what God has called us to do. But Jesus has taken the ultimate responsibility for the outcome, not us. The final reward is coming. And so using terminology for the first century, Peter talks about the awarding of a crown at the end of our lives. <clears throat> he was anticipating the return of Jesus to earth and pictured a crowning ceremony when every faithful Christian would get a divine reward. Today we might think of receiving some kind of medal or ribbon. Whatever you call it, the point is that Jesus will preside over a graduation reward ceremony that will honor those who honored him. At the award ceremony, all the experiences of this life will be seen in a different light. We will be honored for leading and shepherding others through tough times. We will have blessed others as Jesus blessed us. So pursue the prize. Follow the leader. Look what God is wanting to grow in you. Humility, caring, serving others, hope for the future. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Jesus is our leader. So we know the best is yet to come. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for leaders that you have raised up both in your life and even to this day, leaders who can guide your church and lead your people. I pray that we will be people of integrity, people who are godly, leaders that are listening to you and following your voice. And that all of us will realize we shepherd somebody and so may we do that in a way that brings glory to you. Thank you that you have called us to be your people in this place, your flock. May we be the kind of sheep that bring glory to you. Amen.